ladies and gentlemen, coming at you live from his own bedroom, your host, Tony. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome back to another episode of Time Out with Tony, your host, Tony. Okay, so... Um, there's a bit of a situation going on here with my soundboard, I think. Testing, testing. Okay, never mind. All right. Um, what's up, you guys? Back at it again with another episode. Episode 56, I think. I don't know. Um, so today we are going to be reviewing the final movie in the original X-Men trilogy. Well, I wouldn't really call it the original X-Men trilogy. Just sort of like the first three. Um, just sort of like this kind of fate, the first phase of the X-Men franchise. I don't know. But uh, it's a little something like that. Um, yeah. So today's episode, X-Men, The Last Stand. Um, I got to say, this movie kind of sat a little bit sideways with me. And I'm pretty sure it did with a lot of people back in the day when it first dropped. Um, so, you know, it's it's a bit of a trick. It's a bit of a... This is... Hmm. I really, I really wouldn't say this is where the X-Men franchise went downhill, but uh, it's, it's, we're going to be honest, this is just kind of like the first of many bad projects, you could say, that they released. Um, so there's that. But other than that, ladies and gentlemen, that's pretty much it. Before we get into today's episode, um, I meant to do this a few weeks ago. And on for at the time of this recording, um, it currently happened the same day. But uh, I just want to take a quick minute and say that we here at Time Out with Tony, our hearts here at Time Out with Tony, go out to the victims of the Buffalo mass shootings and the um, Texas elementary school shooting. Uh, it's a fucked up world we live in. Um, I can't, I can't really promise that you know anything can get better, but you know, just gotta keep pushing, I guess. Um, fuck. Yeah, um, my heart goes out to uh, families of the victims, the victims themselves, and um, try to pull our own heads out of our own asses. Will we, America? Anyways, um, so another thing before we get into today's episode, thank you guys so much for the support. It means a lot, really, so keep it up. And most of all, tell everybody, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your buddies, your sister, tell everyone. And feel free to follow us on our Instagram at timeout underscore with underscore Tony podcast. Without further ado, let's just get straight into today's episode, ladies and gents. Sit back, relax, and crack open a beer, soda, hand, or water, and enjoy because this is X-Men, The Last Stand. Alright, so, um, those of you that don't know, X-Men The Last Stand, or as it was also marketed as X3 or X-Men 3, is a superhero film based on the X-Men superhero team introduced in Marvel Comics. It's the sequel to 2003's X2, as well as the third installment in the X-Men film series. Directed by Brett Ranner and written by Simon uh, Kimberg and Zach Penn, 
The film features an ensemble cast, including Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry, Ian McKellen, uh, Frank Jensen, Anna Paquin, Kelsey Grammer, James Martin, Rebecca Rumjan, uh, Sean Ashmore, Aaron Stanford, Vinnie Jones, and Patrick Store. Uh, the film script is loosely based on two X-Men comic book story arcs, The Dark Phoenix Saga, written by uh, Chris Claremont and uh, illustrated by John Byrne, um, and The Gifted uh, comic book story arc, written by Joss Whedon and illustrated by John Cassidy. Uh, the plot revolves around a mutant cure that causes serious repercussions among mutant and humans and the resurrection of Jean Grey. Ah! Brian Singer, who had directed the first two films of the X-Men franchise, decided to leave to work, uh, decided to leave the sequel to work on Superman Returns. What a good film that was. X2 composer John Ottoman and X2 writers Dan Harris and Michael Doherty also left to work on Superman Returns, as, Jim, as did da James Martin, who had very limited screen time in The Last Stand before uh, his character was killed due to his departure from the film. Singer had not even defined the storyline for a third film, and while Matthew Vaughn was initially hired as the new director, he left due to pers uh, personal and professional issues and was replaced with uh, Ranter. Filming took place from August of 2005 to, uh, to January of 2006 with a budget of $210 million and was consequently the most expensive film ever made at the time of its release. It had extensive visual effects created by at least 11 different companies. The Last Stand was released on May 26, 2006 by 20th Century Fox and grossed approximately $459 million, becoming the 7th highest grossing film of 2006. It was at the time the highest grossing film in the series and the current, uh, the currently fourth highest grossing film of the franchise. Critical conception, uh, sorry, critical reception was mixed with praise for its action, but it was, uh, it did receive criticism for the lack of depth. So, eesh. All right, so. <clears throat> Our story opens up in the year 1986. Charles Xavier and Eric Lenser meet a young Jean Grey at his parents' house to invite her to join their school, the X-Mansion. We flash forward 10 years later. It's now 1996 and industrialist Warren Worthington II discovers that his son is a mutant and tries to cut off his wings. Flash forward to the present, Worthington Labs announces it has developed an inoculation to suppress the X-Gene that gives mutants their abilities and offer the cure to any mutant who wants it. The cure is created from the genome of a young mutant named Jimmy who lives at the Warrington facility on Alcatraz Island. <clears throat> Sorry. While some mutants are interested in the cure, including Rogue, many others are horrified by the announcement. Magneto reestablishes his brotherhood of mutants with those who oppose the cure, warning his followers that the cure will be forcefully used to exterminate the mutant race. With help from Pyro, Magneto recruits Callisto and several other mutants. They attack the mobile prison holding Mystique to free her and free multiple men and Juggernaut. Mystique, shielding Magneto from a cure dart, is hit and loses her mutant abilities. Magneto abandons her as a result because... Fuck that bitch. It. Yeah. I'm joking. Anyways, um, meanwhile, Scott Summers, who is still distraught over the loss of his fiancée, Jean Grey... Uh, sorry, Jean Grey <clears throat> drives to her resting location at Alkali Lake. 
Jin appears to Summers, but as the two kiss, Jin kills him. Uh, sensing trouble, Xavier sends Logan and Storm to investigate, and when they arrive, they only find telekinetically floating rocks, Summers' glasses, and an unconscious Jean. When Logan and Storm return to the X-Mansion, Xavier explains to Logan that when Jean sacrificed herself to save them, she also freed the Phoenix, a dark and extremely powerful alternate personality which Xavier has te uh, telepathically repressed. Aware of the Phoenix's godlike destructive potential, Logan is disgusted to learn of the of this psychic tampering with Jean's mind. But once she awakens, he discovers that she kills Summers and that she and and she is not the Jean Grey he once knew. The Phoenix emerges, knocks out Logan, and escapes to her childhood home. Magneto learns of Jean's resurrection through Callisto, and the X Men arrive at the Jean Grey home. Sorry, at the Grey home at the same time as the Brotherhood does. Magneto and Xavier go in and both vie for Jean's loyalty until the Phoenix resurfaces. She destroys the house and disintegrates Xavier before Magneto and Logan can stop her. Jean leaves with Magneto and after interrogating a depowered Mystique, the FBI discovers, uh, discovers Magneto's base in the woods. However, the life forms in the camp are all decoy copies of multiple men. Magneto and the Brotherhood have gone to storm Alcatraz by using his magnetic manipulation powers to reroute the Golden Gate Bridge. The remaining X-Men confront the, uh, the Brotherhood despite being significantly uh, outnumbered. And they arrive just as military troops who thus far have been neutralizing, attacking, sorry, neutralizing the attacking mutants are overwhelmed by the Brotherhood. During the fight, Kitty Pride saves Jimmy from the Juggernaut who had been sent to, who had been sent to kill him by Magneto. Logan has Colossus throw him at Magneto and distract him long enough for Hank McCoy to inject Magneto with the cure and thus nullify his powers. Army reinforcements arrive and shoot Jean just as Logan had calmed her down. The Phoenix is awakened by the attack and disintegrates the troops in retaliation. The Phoenix then begins to destroy Alcatraz and anyone within range of their powers. Logan realizes that he can only stop the Phoenix due to his healing factor and the endomantium skin. Sorry, skeleton. When Logan approaches her, Jean momentarily gains control and begs him to save her and everyone else by killing her. Logan fatally stabs Jean, killing the Phoenix, and mourns her death. In the aftermath, mutant rights are finally obtained. Xavier's school continues operating with Storm as the head mistress. Uh, mistress, the president of the United States, appoints McCoy as an ambassador to the U.S. Uh, sorry, to the U.N. And Rogue reveals to Bobby Drake that she has taken the cure, much to his disappointment. However, they hold hands. Meanwhile, Magneto sits at a chessboard in San Francisco, seemingly human and weak. And as he gestures toward a metal chess piece, it wobbles slightly. Ooh. In the uh, in the end credits or mid credits scene, I guess Moira McTaggart checks on a comatose patient who greets her with Xavier's voice, leaving her startled. So, ooh, what happened there? Hmm? And that, my friends, is X Men: The Last Stand. All right. So, um, on a scale of one to ten, I have got to give X Men: The Last Stand a Um, 
Unfortunately, we're going to have to go with a 5 out of 10. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, a 5 out of 10, and here's why. Now, a lot of people... Now, um, if you may have heard me review the first two X-Men movies, um, you'll see that I gave them a way much higher score than what I uh, gave the last 10 right now, and that's for a good reason. So, for starters... Um, yeah, sure, the CGI has gotten 10 times better than what it has in 2000 and 2003. Alright, I'll admit that. However, like the Marvel, like, uh, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, there's only so much, um, there's only so much CGI could take you to. Uh, there's only so much you could, you know, make the movie good and whatnot. And, um, I feel like that's just kind of what they relied a lot on this movie, um, another thing I feel like they really relied a lot on was the star power. All right. And don't get me wrong. I love an ensemble ensemble cast get together to make a cool kick-ass film like this. I mean, well, not like this, but, you know, to make a cool kick-ass film. All right. But then, but there's, you know, casting good actors and then there's casting actors because of their name. And again, that's just kind of the direction this movie took. They, um, um, they just, mm, it's, it's, it's just, uh, yeah, it just relies a little bit too much on its star power, um, which is good for marketing purposes. However, um, in a movie where the audience looks for death, This 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 kind of likes that, and again, that's where we give it a. That's why we give it a five out of ten. Now, I didn't. I did like the costume design. The costume design was kind of cool. So you know, you gotta give them props for that. Um, same thing with the soundtrack. Different from the first two, I will say that. Which um, and it's kind of off putting because you know you're used to a certain theme, and then when you hear someone else do it, it's like ill. You know, you took what this guy had. And he was doing it so good, and you took it, and now you're making it up. Now, this isn't the case with this movie. Um, the soundtrack is just kind of whatever. It it uh it fills the gaps it kind of needs, but yeah, no. Uh, overall, ladies and gentlemen, I have got to give this movie a five out of ten, and that's why. So, I fuck with the CGI, I fuck with the costumes, I fuck with the soundtrack, I fuck with the star power. What I don't like about this movie was the lack of depth and its star power. Um, and, it, and as you can obviously see, you know, as we, you know, progress into this age where, you know, Marvel movies are the shit now. Um, it's, it's just going to be, in, I wouldn't, yeah, I'd say it would be, a, it's going to be a bigger problem. But, uh, hey man, we're in a generation where half these kids can't even keep a 30 second attention span. So, um... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's that. But overall, ladies and gentlemen, a 5 out of 10. Do I recommend this movie? Sure. If you're bored or if you're trying to catch it, if you're trying to, you know, throw yourself into the X-Men franchise, uh, this is this is part of your journey. You got to walk through this side of the uh, forest. Um. Yeah. Overall, that's pretty much it, ladies and gents. Let's take a look at Behind the Scenes. Uh, alright, so, um, production for the film, or development for the film, 
first began when Brian Singer, director of the first two X-Men films, left the project in July of 2004 in favor of developing Superman Returns. Singer stated that he, quote, didn't fully have X-Men 3 in my mind, end quote, in contrast to a fully formed idea for a Superman film and interest in joining the franchise. Or that franchise, sorry. By the time of his departure, Singer had only produced a partial story treatment with X2 screenwriters Dan Harris and Michael Doherty, who accompanied him to Superman Returns. The treatment focused on Jean Grey's resurrection, which would also introduce the villainous Emma Frost, a role that was intended for Sigourney Weaver. Frost was meant to be an empath that would manipulate Jean's emotions in the treatment. Uh, that would sorry manipulate Jean's emotions, and in the treatment, like the finished film, Magneto desires to control her. Overwhelmed by her powers, Jean kills herself, but Jean splits uh, spirit survives, and because a godlike creature, which. Doherty compared to the Star Child in A Space Odyssey. New contracts for returning cast members were made as the actors and actresses had signed on for only two films. Hugh, Jack, sorry, Hugh Jackman's contract included the approval of director, initially offering the position to Darren Ar uh, Aron Aronofsky, so yeah, sorry, who, uh, whom he had just finished filming The Fountain. Joss Whedon, whose comic book Gifted was integrated into the script's plot, turned down the offer because he was working on a Wonder Woman film, which, you know, would never really come into fruition because Josh Whedon's a little bitch. Anyways, Rob Bowman and Alex Proyas were also rumored to be up for consideration, though Proyas personally told, uh, turned it down, citing feuds with ten, uh, 20th Century Fox president Thomas Rothman while producing iRobot. My boy said his own side for that, dude. Zack Snyder was also approached for the film, but he was already committed to 300. And we all saw how that turned out. Peter Berg was also considered for the film, but he too turned down the job. Guillermo del Toro, yeah, you know that guy, was also offered to uh, direct the film, but again, turned it down due to being committed to the Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, in February of 05, with still no director hired, Fox announced a May 5th, 2006 release date with filming starting in January of Sorry, in July of 05 in Vancouver. About a month later, the studio would go on to sign Matthew Vaughn to direct. And uh, he pushed re uh, the release date to May 26th, uh, Memorial Day weekend. Now, Vaughn cast Kelsey Grammer as the Beast, Daniel Ramirez as Callisto, and Vinnie Jones as the Juggernaut. But family issues led him to withdraw before filming began. Vaughn was also cautious of the tight deadlines imposed by Fox, stating that he, quote, didn't have time to make the movie that I wanted to make, end quote. Uh, Brett Renner, who was previously considered to direct and uh, the first X-Men all the way back in the year 1996, and John Moore were both in the running to replace Vaughn during pre-production. In June of 05, Ranter was confirmed as Vaughn's replacement, and Ranter said that he was surprised to get an invitation, as he thought that he would have no chance to do a comic book film after the cancelled Superman flyby for Warner Bros. With the limited knowledge of X-Men mythos, Ranter's trust sorry. Ranter trusted his writers on doing something faithful to the comics, having the script drawing all of its scenes from the original Marvel publications. So uh you could see it, it was a it was a bit of a headache to kind of make this thing. I feel like what really um what really kind of you know I feel like after X two everyone's just like yeah I don't feel like we're gonna make a third movie guys but I feel like after after like two thousand four they were like hey can we can we can we can we can we like fucking do this please come on please come on like 
can we please do this movie? Come on, like I need a paycheck. Like I feel like that's what that's what ended up happening. I feel like that's exactly that's exactly what every sequel what uh what every sequel happens. What happens with every sequel, sorry. Um what was it? Um The Last Den went on to premiere at an out of competition event at the two thousand six Keynes Films Festival. On May 22nd, 2006, two days later, Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry, and Kelsey Grammer attended an event screening at the USS Kearsarge as the ship was en route to New York City for Fleet Week because, like, America. The film would be released in the U.S. on May 26th, 2006 in 3,600 theaters while opening in 95 international markets the same weekend. The film went on to earn 400, sorry, 45 million point one on its opening day, and went on to generate 102.7 million during its three-day weekend, making it the fourth highest opening weekend of all time, right behind Shrek 2, Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, and Spider-Man, the one with Tobey Maguire. The film then grossed 122.8 million dollars during the four-day Memorial Day weekend, which was the highest at the time, surpassing The Lost World, Jurassic Park, and Shrek 2. It will go on to hold this record until it's surpassed by Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End the next year. The film's release was also a new single-day record for Friday openings. The opening weekend gross was surpassed six weeks later by Car- uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, making The Last Stand's opening the second highest of 2006. Internationally, The Last Stand topped the box office in 26 countries with a total gross of $76.1 million overall, but unfortunately it suffered competition from The Da Vinci Code, which retained the top spot in most markets. And to beat The Last Stand in international gross that weekend with $91 million. The film's second weekend dropped 67% to $34 million, which was the steepest most post-Memorial Day opening drop on record because I, yeah... Uh, the Last Stand eventually grossed $234.4 million in the domestic box office and $225 million internationally for a total worldwide of sorry, $459.4 million, the fourth highest in domestic grosses and the seventh highest worldwide for 2006. X-Men The Last Stand was also the highest grossing film in the franchise until it was surpassed by X-Men Days of Future Past eight years later. On Rotten Tomatoes, X-Men Last Stand has an approval rating of 57% based on 238 reviews with an average rating of 5.9 out of 10 as of May of 2022. The site's critical consensus reads, quote, X-Men Last Stand provides plenty of mutant action for fans of the franchise, even if it does at the expense of the predecessor's deeper moments, end quote. At Metacritic, the film has a score of 58 out of 100 based on 38 critics, indicating mixed or average reviews. Audiences polled by CinemaScore gave the film an A- on A+, to F, uh, F scale. So, um, yeah, it was kind of mixed, but in the end, it was alright. In February 2006, Renton said that X-Men The Last Stand could be the final X-Men film, saying, quote, We wanted to make sure the audiences knew this was a trilogy, even though they weren't made together like the Lord, uh, like Lord of the Wings. Sorry, The Rings. Sorry. Uh, this is really closure for the X-Men series. The Last Stand, for sure. End quote. The next two X-Men films that would go on to be released would be in 2009 with X-Men Origins Wolverine and X-Men First Class in 2011, both of which were prequels that took place before the events of the first X-Men movie. 
The first film set chronologically after The Last Stand was The Wolverine, released in 2013. A standalone sequel, The Wolverine shows Logan headed for Japan to make uh, to escape the memories of what occurred during The Last Stand. Hugh Jackman and Frank Jansen reprise their roles while Ian McKellen and Patrick Store appear uh, in a mid credit scene. X-Men Days of Future Past, the direct sequel to The Last Stand, was released on May 23, 2014 with Jackman Barry, uh, sorry, with Hugh Jackman, Halle Berry, Patrick Store, Ian McKellen, McQueen Page, Ashworth Kudberg, Kelsey Grammer, Jansen, Marston, all reprising their respective roles because why not? The plot, which was inspired by a comic book Days of Future Past story arc, begins with a dystopian future set years after the events of The Last Stand. Wolverine's consciousness is sent back in time to the year 1973 in order to guide the younger Xavier and Magneto into preventing the events that lead to the desolate future. The events of the film end up retroactively changing the continuity of the series, changing some of the events in the films set after First Class, resulting in an altered timeline where Jean and Cyclops are actually still alive. So, yeah. Anyways, that's that. that kind of pretty much sums up um, today's episode, ladies and gents. Um, before we go, once again, thank you guys so much for the support. It means a lot, really, so keep it up, and most of all, tell everybody, tell your mom, tell your dad, tell your buddies, just to tell everyone, and feel free to follow us on our Instagram, at timeout underscore with underscore Tony Podcast. New episodes, well, this kind of is the end for us, ladies and gentlemen. Our episode, our next episode is dropping this Saturday, and after that, on Monday and Tuesday, we're dropping our uh, uh, penultimate and the season finale. So, you know, keep an eye out for that, and we got a giveaway coming soon. Um, after the end of season three, all details will be explained in the season finale, but uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that. And that's pretty much it for today's episode, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, before we go, our hearts go out to the victims of the Buffalo mass shooting and the Texas elementary school shooting. America, please pull your head out of your ass. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that's pretty much for today's episode. Thank you guys so much, and we'll catch you guys Saturday. Thank you, and uh, please take care. Okay, show's over. Please get out. Thank you.